right, y'all. Welcome to another episode of The Cocktail Break. I'm Whitney, your host, and this is episode three. I am here with uh, Miss Sakina Tillman. It's been a minute since she and I spoke. We're going to be um, chatting about taxes. She's a phenomenal tax attorney. Um, so I thought that with the tax season upon us, it would be a great time for us to just kind of chit chat and discuss um, you know, the ins and outs of taxes and the things that you need to know so that, you know, everyone is prepared uh, to file this year. I know um, quite a few folks, um, you know, have either started businesses, may have unfortunately lost a business, may unfortunately have lost a job, maybe have gotten a job. Um, so, you know, we're going to talk about all that. We're going to talk about single people filing. We're going to talk about married people filing. Uh, we're going to talk about single parents, people with kids, you know, all of that. So let's get into it. Um, Sakina, welcome. Well, thank you for having me, Whitney. I greatly appreciate it. You're welcome. And I thank you so much for doing this interview. Um, before we get into the questions, won't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I am a Philadelphia native. That means I am a diehard Eagles fan. I know I'm in the DMV area, so guys may not like that. And I'm a Cowboys fan, y'all, so she talks a lot of trash. (laughs) I sure do. You know, I calmed down during the season because we were trash. Like, our division was trash. Um, But besides me being a Philadelphia native, um, I am an educator. So I teach at the law school level. I teach the low-income tax clinic. It is one thing to do your passion. And it's another thing to give back. So I'm doing both. So I'm pretty much helping taxpayers that cannot afford to hire a tax attorney. And we're doing their their actual tax matters for free. Um, I also have my own business where I prepare tax returns. I had that business for six years now. And I also do private practice on the side where I handle some um, tax cases, depending on how much somebody owes, as well as business formation and business consulting. Wow. I mean, that's pretty much it. I'm, I'm a very positive person. So every Monday I do Monday morning chats with Seth. It's on YouTube. I always try to encourage people to be their best self and to never give up. So as I'm encouraging other people, I also encourage myself. That's excellent. So, I mean, just like many of us, just busy, busy, busy and wearing a whole lot of different hats. So, you know, shout outs, shout outs to you for, you know, just keeping yourself busy, keeping yourself motivated. And, um, you know, we'll talk about excuse me, her going live and her YouTube channels in just a second, because we do want to promote that and get that out there. But before we do, um, my first question is, what made you want to be a tax attorney? Like, how did you decide I want to do taxes? (laughs) So honestly, it it was just something that stumbled across me. So I knew I always wanted to be a lawyer since I was eight. So that was just always my goal. That was like, I had a one track mind, go to college, go to law school, and then become a lawyer. That that was my one track mind. And I really wanted to do like government contracts because I like to draft, I like to read, I like to write. And so I was like, maybe I can just be a government contractor, government uh, attorney, and then actually draft contracts for the government. And then my second year of law school, I took a federal income tax course. And I really fell in love with the class. Like it was a class that no one did not want to take in law school. Everybody hated the class. But I absolutely love the class. And then after that class, my actual advisor in law school, she taught that class. And she was a a former uh, tax practitioner for the IRS. And she told me, you know, hey, you know, this is something that you're interested in. You need to go back to school to get your master's in it and make you more marketable. Mm -hmm. So 
being a studious nerd that I am, after law school, I went back to school to get a master's in tech. And I just never deviated. So pretty much my resume, it screams text. Wow. That's, that's <laughs> interesting. I've always wanted to ask you that, like, um, you know, why? Because it's so specific. You know what I mean? Um, and I've learned a lot. We have a mutual friend also that's an attorney. I'm, between the two of you, I learned a lot about, you know, how you all chose which area of law that you wanted to study. So that's really good to know. Um You spoke earlier, we spoke earlier um, in your intro about, you know, you educating people and, you know, keeping people abreast on, you know, what's going on with taxes, small businesses, all that type deal. Um, I guess my next question is, can you tell us what are some resources that you utilize or that you tell people to utilize, um, you know, when they're learning about taxes and learning how to file their taxes? Well, I think... The information I would tell people is that you should always seek a professional for help. Um, I, you know, I'll tell people, you know, sometimes you can go on the IRS website and look up different topics, which may be helpful for you to try to grasp the idea. But because when you go on the IRS website and you're reading something, there's legal terms there and you may not understand what it means. So I think that you can first start at the IRS website. There's so many um different topics. Another good thing is you can actually subscribe to the IRS website to get updates and tips. And I think that's very good because the actual tips in itself is in layman terms, meaning that anybody can read it. You don't have to be an attorney. And it'll just tell you different things such as, okay, the deadline to file this return is by this date, or did you know X, Y, and Z? And one of the biggest things that for people to be aware of during tax season is about scams. And so the IRS always has different updates on their website saying, hey, if you get a call from someone saying that it's the IRS, that's probably a scam. Many people get scammed during tax season. So I will recommend one going on the IRS website to get an idea of things and then actually consult with a professional. Um, instead of you trying to file your own tax return, definitely go with a professional to help you file your tax return. And speaking of scams, like what are some of those things that, what are some of those scams that you've seen? That oh, are- wow. Um, so there are scams where someone will call you from a foreign number and they would tell you that, you know, you can get a Apple uh, gift card or you can get an iPod. You have to give me your, your social security number, your bank information. And what they would do, they will, they will pretty much wire your bank account or they'll tell you to wire your money to a particular account. And that's a scam because the IRS would never call you and it would never ask for your social security number when they call you. The only way the IRS will be in contact with you is typically when the IRS is working with another attorney on behalf of a client and they have a scheduled call. Other than that, there's no chance that the IRS will be calling the taxpayer. And typically, and correct me if I'm wrong, when the IRS does communicate, it's usually via mail. They'll send you a letter. Oh, yes. They'll send you notices, several of them. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, So aside from scams, what are some other common mistakes that people make in general, um, you know, when they're prepping for taxes or trying to file their taxes on their own? Oh, man, so many. I think um, one of the biggest things is that you know, for this year, for tax year 2020, which we are in now, is that 
the actual businesses and employers they had until February the 1st to file the W-2s and the 1099s. One of the biggest mistakes that I see with most people is that if they had several jobs for the year, they're so anxious to file their return right away and that they may only report only a portion of their income and not all of it. And they'll have this idea, well, let me file it right now and that way I'll get a refund. And then when my other W-2s come back, then I can file an amended return. And so what will happen is that you're getting a refund that does not reflect the total amount that you are entitled to. When you then now file an amended return to include all the income that you didn't include on your original return, there's going to be a chance that you may owe taxes. And this raises a big issue because if you're considered low income, can you really pay back the taxes that you may owe? Or if you're middle class and you're living paycheck to paycheck, can you really pay back the taxes that you may owe? Another thing that I see is that sometimes people will claim anyone as a dependent. And there's different rules to determine who you can claim as dependent on your tax return. So they'll claim someone, a younger child, to get the earned income tax credit if they are entitled to that, or the child tax credit. And then you can receive an enlarged refund, or it can reduce your, your taxes for that year. And then when the IRS looks at the return and realize, hey, that person cannot technically claim that child then now they're going to disallow any credits that that person was entitled to. Now there's a bill. And then when there's a bill, you have to pay it. Some people don't like opening their mail. So guess what? They throw that mail in the trash. And then when they get that final notice saying, hey, the IRS can do what's called intent to levy. They have collection actions where they can actually levy your bank account or garnish your wages. That's when they want help. And that's when you may need an attorney. But an attorney costs money. Right. right. Another thing that I see is for those that are business owners, they don't know what's considered an expense. So they just deduct everything. And most times their business is at a major loss and it raises a red flag when they file their tax return with the IRS. Like, wow, your business was uh, a loss of $30,000. You didn't make that much. Something has to give. Um, so those are some of the, the main issues that I see when someone attempts to prepare their own tax return. Now, you can see these same issues with someone that is a tax preparer. However, you have the question as to the competence of that person. You also have to question how professional they are. You have to, you have to actual question their credentials. Some people will say they are tax professionals and they are not. And they will tell you, hey, I'm trying to get you the maximum refund because they want to make the client happy. And so because they're doing that, they're adding all these things on the return that may be inflated to give someone this big, this big, big maximum refund. And so how, um, how is one able to find out if this person is qualified <laughs> to even be doing taxes, qualified to be in the business? Yeah, so you can actually go on the IRS website and, and have search for professionals. And when you do that, it's an actual, um, it's not even a portal, but it's pretty much a search engine. And you're able to type in the person's name. And it should be able to tell you what type of credentials they have, such as if they're just a basic tax preparer, if they are an enrolled agent, if they are a certified public accountant, or whether or not they're an attorney. Okay, cool. Um, 
So let's talk about this. Let's talk about um, couples and how they file taxes. Okay. So um, I hear couples that file separately. I hear couples that file jointly. Um, what do you suggest? Is there is there a, a best practice on how to file? Couples should file. It re- honestly, it really depends. Um, the the best that most advantageous way to help save money will be Mary filing jointly because it's a bigger um, standard deduction to help reduce their income subject to tax. However, it just depends on the sources of income that they have. And so typically when I am working with a couple, I just had a consultation today about this. When I'm working with a married couple, I will try to see what is advantageous for both of them, whether they should file jointly or separately. So honestly, it depends on their source of income, their type of income, whether it's like wages, business, um, interest, dividends. One of the biggest things that you see is that most taxpayers are in debt because of student loans. So mm-hmm. sometimes you may find taxpayers filing um, separate if they are married because they're trying to do the income-based payments. If you do married filing jointly and it's income-based, they're looking at that one joint return to determine what you can pay on a monthly basis without without looking at the individual separately. Okay, so that's a lot to take in. <laughs> yeah, so just imagine you're married. Mm-hmm. Let's say that you have one spouse that makes forty thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and then you have the other spouse that makes over two hundred thousand dollars. When you file a joint return, their income, their gross income for the year is two hundred and forty dollars. So when you're trying to do income base, they're going to look at your tax return to determine what you can actually pay because they're going to look at what's called the adjusted gross income. Right. Right. So what some taxpayers do, they actually file a separate return. So that way, if they're trying to get into a payment plan, it's only going to be based on one return. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So there, there's a little ways around it. It just depends on who you talk to. I just know that when I get married, I'm filing jointly. Okay. <laughs> the taxes. okay. Um, what about, um, so two things. Children, when you're filing children on your taxes, let's just say um, you've never been married, you're just co-parenting. Like, how do people decide? Are are you able to, you know, do like a ping pong type thing? Like one year I'll file so-and-so on my taxes and next year you, you, you can file them. Like, how do, how do people deal with that? And then um, I guess it'd be the same thing with uh, parents who are divorced, who are separated. Um, How does that work with dependents? So it's pretty much almost the same. So when you have parents that are not married to have children, typically there's a few things that happen. One, you can get a court order to determine who is entitled to claim the child. So the actual court order will specify what tax year. So you can't just say, well, you know, every 2017, you want to get 2017 one time. So it may say every odd year, the, the father claims a child every evening year, even year. The mother claims a child. That's the same way with a divorce decree. Um, secondly, if you don't have a, a actual um, actual agreement in place, how it goes is that in order for you to claim the child, that child has to live with you more than six months throughout the year, and you have to provide financial support. Now, let's say that it's joint custody. 
and they have equal share, then the IRS has what's called the tiebreaker test. Whoever has the highest adjusted gross income, then they're able to claim the child. Or sometimes some people may just have like a, a notarized statement between those two without using the courts and say, these are the years that you're able to claim the child. These are the years that I'm able to claim the child. Okay. And then, um, so I think, okay, so let's, let's, let's skip around for a minute. Um, single people, I'm sure just basically easy. Um, when single people are filing taxes, is there anything that single people need to know, um, you know, when it comes time to file their taxes? So, it, so that's a broad question, what they need to know. <clears throat> I guess the, the bigger question is, you know, uh, what are, what are you in need of? Because a lot of times when, when single people, people that are unmarried, they don't have any kids. You know, when they, the main thing they want to know is how can I reduce my taxes? Right. That's the, that's the main question. What can I do so I don't have to pay as much taxes? There's a few things. One, you need to make sure that you have enough taxes taken out of your paycheck. What I do find is that sometimes, whether you're married or single, your withholdings are not correct. And so because of that, you may have more on your paycheck, but when you file your tax return, you'll realize you have a tax liability. So the first thing is to help make sure that you're not overpaying or underpaying taxes. You need to make sure that your withholdings are correct at the federal level and state. Because we are in a DMV area, it is so important to make sure that you have the correct state withholding. Because some people may live in Maryland, but work in D.C. Mm -hmm. If you don't talk to the payroll department, what they will do is that if your actual employer is in D.C., they will have taxes will fell from DC and not from your resident state, which is Maryland. So you want to make sure that you talk to payroll to get that corrected. As soon as you walk into the door, when you first start, you definitely want to reach out to um, payroll about that. As far as what can single people do to help save taxes, um, a good vehicle to use is like your 401k. So you can actually contribute more to your 401k to help reduce your income. Now, the, the unfortunate thing is that, you know, when you contribute to your 401k more money, you're going to see less in your paycheck. However, you'll see more in saving. So you have to figure out what, what do you actually want? Um, if you have a health savings account, that can help you reduce your taxes um, as well. So there's different strategies depending on what people are in need of. Okay. Okay. That sounds good. And that's helpful. That's good to know. Yeah. Um, yeah so businesses, um, <laughs> like I mentioned earlier, quite a few people have started businesses. Um, if this is your first year filing taxes and you started a business in 20 and was it, what are we in? 20, 2021. So if you, so if you started, if you started a business in 2020 and this is your first year, um, filing, uh, taxes, what, um, what is a rule of thumb? Like I'm, I'm coming to you as a first timer. Um, you know, wh- what is the expectation of me as a business owner? I think the first thing is, is to know how your business is taxed. How did you set up your business? What I do find is that a lot of people will use LegalZoom. It's less money than hiring an attorney. However, just because you use LegalZoom and you form the business, you may not know how it's taxed or the tax implications. 
one of the biggest things that I see is that when people, when it's two or more people that form a limited liability company known as an LLC, is deemed as a as a partnership. And when you have a partnership, even if you didn't make any money, so let's say you formed a partnership in 2020, you still had to file a tax return this year. But the biggest thing is, too, is making sure that you keep track of all your income and receipts, all your income and your receipts for your any type of expenses. A lot of business owners, when they first start out, they commingle funds. They had their business income intertwined with their personal. You should always make sure you have a business account separate from your personal account. And so when you talk about setting up a business, so a lot of people I know have an LLC. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess for, you know, legal reasons, they, you know, they set it up that way. Um, but when you talk about, I had someone say to me, there's a difference between um, a hobby and an actual business. So at what point is it considered an actual business and not just a hobby? Um, it has to be profitable. So what case law says is that, like different cases that I read in law school, it, to make that distinguish, they'll say that when it comes to a limited liability company, it has to be profitable. You have to make money. If they see your business is at a loss, typically between three years or so, it's always at a loss. It's going to deem it as a hobby. And if it's deemed as a hobby, pretty much your expenses cannot exceed your income. So let's say that your income was $500, but your expenses was $3,000. The only write-off you can take is $500. Okay. That's interesting. And one of the biggest things, if you are a new business owner and you own a a LLC by yourself, one of the biggest things that I do see with, with people is that they don't know whether or not they had to file that income or when to report your expenses. You report your expenses in the year that you paid for them. So you pay for expenses in 2020, you report those on your 2020 tax return. And that and those and then income and expenses, they get reported on what's called a Schedule C, which is attached to your individual tax return. So when some business owners say, well, what can I do? A lot of times they think that it's a separate tax return and it's not. It's just an attachment to your individual tax return. Okay. Um, Good to know. Okay. Um, So now that we're in this new tax year, and I know we kind of, you know, sprinkled sprinkled this throughout the conversation, but um, are there any key changes for um, this year that people need to be aware of? Anything different that's happening for this tax season that wasn't happening last year? Yeah, because most people were entitled to receive a stimulus payment, um, the IRS sent notice notice 14, uh, 1444 to taxpayers. You would have to report the amount that you received in your stimulus payment on your tax return. It is not taxable. It is considered a credit that will be applied to your taxes. So that's one of the biggest things that you will see differently on this tax return than the previous year. Okay, and that's everyone that receives a stimulus. Yes. Yes, that is correct. And what is this thing about people having to, some people who did not receive their stimulus check, but they have to 
I guess, file their taxes first in order to get that? Have you heard that? So it depends. So the first question to ask yourself, are you required to file a tax return? If you are required to file a tax return, you must file it so you can get a stimulus. If you are not required to file it, maybe because you just only receive Social Security um, or you, you're not receiving any type of income, what you will have to do, the IRS has a portal where you can enter your information. So that way your stimulus check can be directly deposited into your account. So the people who did not receive one this time around, um, it's because they didn't file a return? It could be for various reasons. So they, one, maybe they didn't file their 2018 and 2019 tax return. Um, typically when the stimulus were first going out, if you didn't file, the 2019 tax return wasn't due at the time. So they were looking at the 2018 return to determine how much you can get. Some people realize they didn't file 2018 and 2019. So they were delayed. So that could be one issue. Two, the IRS is being delayed with something. So your return may have been processed, may have been sent to the IRS, but it's still under scrutiny. Maybe the IRS is looking at it to see what changes are needed. And then they will eventually submit the, the stimulus check. But honestly, with the stimulus payments, being sent out, there's no like actual order how they're being sent. Some people were entitled to receive the stimulus and never received it yet. So I don't know what they're doing over there regarding the stimulus. They don't even, you can call the IRS and they will not answer your question about the stimulus. You know, they will send you directly to the website to check the, the stimulus. Yeah. Yeah. I heard yeah. that. I heard that. So, um, so you have to file the stimulus amount on your taxes. It'll be a credit. Does that hinder your refund in any way? No, it doesn't hinder your refund at okay. all. Okay. Um, and so two more questions for you. Number one, at what point do you tell people, listen, it's time for you to get a tax attorney? Like you in trouble. <laughs> Let's see. What are some what are some scenarios that you have run into where you're like, yeah, <laughs> you need help? I think so. I can speak on businesses first. So what I do see when people are, are business owners, and I see this a lot in the legal world. A lot of my colleagues own their own law firm, and. I'm not sure if you understand about the legal world, but if you own your own law firm, you can make a lot of money. And the issue that I see is that you're making a lot of money, but you're not putting money aside for taxes. And so let's say your first year you gross at maybe $150,000. And then you, maybe you have about $50,000 in expenses. The rest of that money, you're probably going to pocket because when you're a business owner, you have to be disciplined. You have to budget your money accordingly. You have to put money aside for taxes. The discipline is out the, the window once you start getting cash, once you start getting checks. Sometimes the client may, may by mistake issue a check in your name instead of the business name, then you got extra income. And so it's not being disciplined where you're putting money aside for taxes. So the first year you don't pay taxes. Then you got the second year, you did 10 times better. You went from 150K gross, now you're at $500,000 gross. So you can see where I'm going with this. Mm -hmm. Where now you're making more money, you're gonna have to pay more taxes. 
But it's that same mentality where it's like, oh, I'll pay later. Then the third year comes. And then you owe tax and you get that notice and you realize, wow, I owe over $100,000 in taxes. I need help. Yes, you definitely need an attorney at that time. (laughs) So I think one of the biggest things for business owners is that you need someone to help you get organized to make sure that you are collecting the right income, making sure the income is reported correctly, all the income reported. You want to make sure that your expenses are reported correctly. And then from that, making a profit and loss statement to determine how much you should pay in taxes. So when you get those big notices from the IRS, yeah, you're going to definitely need an attorney. Um, another thing for an attorney, uh, let's say you're forming a business. I always tell people go to an attorney. Don't try to use LegalZoom because you're forming a limited liability company, but you're doing this on your own. You're just entering information in. You don't know if the information is correct. I know LegalZoom would say, you know, well, we have, oh, we have on staff attorneys. I don't believe most of that stuff. Because some of the actual uh, business formation documents that have been submitted through LegalZoom are trash. So I just think that if you're trying to form a business, that'll be the time that you definitely need an attorney. You need an attorney. Now, tax attorney, if they do business formation, which most of them do, they can also help you with tax planning. An individual, let's say that they just don't pay taxes. Or they haven't filed in years. If you haven't filed in years, then you definitely want an attorney because there's different strategies to go about. So that way the IRS doesn't look at you as a non-filer. So this this is a lot of good information. I feel like we need to do a separate <laughs> a separate show around business. Oh, let me know. I'm always there for because um, I have I have questions, questions. Okay. Um, <laughs> And I might have to call you um, later on, but it's interesting because so many people use LegalZoom, you know, Um, but, you know, based on what you're telling me, I I feel like what everyone should know is, is that your business is an investment. And if it's an investment, then you need to invest in the proper um, structure and invest in the proper um, help you know, getting the proper support. So if that need, if that means getting an attorney, then, you know, that's what you should do. So, you know, definitely, um, I'm definitely going to take that into consideration. I was never one to use LegalZoom. I did a lot of the formation on my own, but it seems like I'm getting to the point now where, um, I probably do need someone to manage that part <laughs> of my life. Cause I was going to ask you, um, <clears throat> how do you determine how much money to set aside to pay in taxes? You know. So it depends. So usually when someone starts out, you know, it's, it's on case by case. Um, typically, my rule of thumb is about 30% aside. So that way, about 25% for federal and about 5% for state, depending on if you live in a state that has state income tax. That's my rule of thumb. Um, okay. that I have. But if you are like a second year business owner, then it's pretty much looking at your previous year to make that determination. Okay. It's better to pay some taxes than no taxes at all. Right. Right. Okay. Um, so last question. Is there anything that um is there anything else that you can suggest that we have not discussed? Um, you know, whether that be from a business perspective, from just, you know, being a regular taxpayer, is there anything else that um you can share with our viewers that might be helpful? 
or listeners, I should say. Yes. So this is something that I always say, and I think this can apply. um, And I think any professional will agree with me on this. You know, it's very important to pay for the things and the services that you need. You know, your needs should come first before your wants. You know, let's say that if you broke a leg, you need to go to the doctors. And whatever that doctor's fee is, you need that so that way you can heal and walk again. If you crack a tooth, you need to go to the dentist to, to pretty much get a fill in so that way you have a better smile. If you need glasses, you need to go to an eyeglass doctor to get a prescription so you get have, you know, glasses. Um but when it comes to things that we need, it, I feel like sometimes we put that on the back burner and we're so big into buying things that we want, such as a PS5. You know, I think people are selling them for like $1,200. And it saddens me because in the black community, we pay for most of us, we pay for the things that we want, but we are so backed up in debt that we don't manage our debt. And one of a, a big debt is tax debt. So you have so much money you owe in taxes, but here you are buying all these things. Now, I'm not saying you can't live life. Yes, you have to live life, but it's about prioritizing what's important. And so if I had to leave with a message or some type of token of advice, I would say that put money aside for the things that you need. An attorney is something that you need. If you get locked up, you definitely need a a criminal attorney. Don't call me because I don't do criminal stuff. (laughs) <laughs> but not criminal if you shoot somebody you hit somebody don't call me that's not what i do but you would need to hire an attorney that can help you with that right that's something that you would need and so it's very important to put money aside for the things that you need the things that you want there they will always be there that ps5 will always be there and i'm pretty sure that in 2021 the price of the ps5 will most likely Go down because it depreciates once it leaves out the store. So have money aside for the things that you need. So, you know, if you want to have a good a business and you want to make sure your business will run correctly, put money aside for an attorney. I 100% agree with you. 100%. Um, and that's a conversation <sighs> that we can go on and on about, about <laughs> around the things that we need and the things that we want. So um, I thank you so much for all this information. This was a great interview and I hope um, everyone, our listeners get something out of it. Um, thank you so much for, you know, coming to the cocktail break and sharing, um, sharing your message with everyone. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so I am going to get Sakina's information and share it with um, all of our listeners. But Sakina, if you don't mind letting everyone know how you can be reached, social media platform, email, all that. Yes. So you can find me on Instagram. It is Tillman LLC. That is T-I-L-L-M-A-N-L-L-C. Every Tuesday at 9.15 p.m. Eastern time, I do what's called Tillman Tax Tips. I'm always providing free legal tips as well as free tax tips about various topics that my followers ask me to talk about. Um, on that page in itself, you will see all my contact information. You will see my website. Um, you will also see the link to my email if you find me there. If you don't have social media, if you want to reach out to me via email, my email is Sakina, that's S-A-K-I-N-A-H at 
Tillman, T-I-L-L-M-A-N, hyphen LLC.com. If you would like to call me, my number is 410-645-0527. Well, there you have it. Um, thank you again, Sakina. I really appreciate it. Um, thank you to my listeners. Um, you have been listening to the Cocktail Break Podcast. I will catch you all on the next episode. Thank you.